This morning we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 1, and Paul's going to tell you what the gospel is here. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all, this is the first part of the gospel, first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. The Gospel is Jesus Christ died for your sins, sinner, according to this Word right here. And that's how you know it to be true. According to the Word of God, Jesus Christ didn't die because uh, they killed Him. He died because He let Himself die. He died for your sins. He went to the cross for your sins. He went there willingly. And it pleased God to put Him there to die not for His sins, for mine and your sins. Everybody that's born is born a sinner. It's born into sin. And that's the first part of the scripture. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Verse 4. And that he was buried. He, was bur he died and was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. That is the gospel in a nutshell. It's right there. Jesus Christ Died for your sins, according to the scripture. D Jesus Christ was buried. He died. He didn't just swoon. He didn't faint. He didn't come and they, they helped him escape and they healed him up. He died. He physically died. And then he was buried and he rose again the third day. According to, he's alive forevermore. It's a death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The death is how you're getting into heaven. And the, the, the burial and the resurrection shows you that He can do what He's saying He's doing for you, which is giving you eternal life. He has it, eternal life. He showed you on the third day, and then He's giving it to you. So when you pray and ask Jesus Christ to save you, you're not just praying to, 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 uh, to some uh, philosophy or some idea. When you're bowing your head and you're praying and asking Jesus Christ to save you, He can hear you. He hears you. He's alive. He's not dead like all the other religions have their founders, be it Muhammad or Buddha, whatever. Their founders are dead in a grave, and you can go find their bones. You cannot find the bones of Jesus Christ. He's a right. So that's the gospel. So verse 5, And in that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. Cephas is another name for Peter. He was seen of his disciples. And after that, verse 6, He was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. So what Paul has given you a testimony is, the reason why we believe this is not only does the Scriptures, the Word of God, tell us this happened, but you have over 500 witnesses to this happening. So if you was to take this into a court of law, you, would, you, you, you could parade five, over 500 witnesses up here saying they've seen Jesus Christ physically resurrected. That's a great testimony. That's a great testimony. And that's why you can believe. This is one of the testimonies you can believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God who He said He was and He can give you eternal life. And verse 7, And after that He was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, He was seen of me also. And this is Paul writing. As of one born out of due time. See, Paul saying, you know, I, I, I'm an apostle, but I wasn't when I was supposed to be. I wasn't when I was supposed to be. I came along later. Because verse 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, that, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. 
Paul says, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle because I was persecuting the church of God. And we know that to be true. He was arresting Christians. He was throwing them in jail. He was murdering Christians. Some of us forget that Paul was murdering Christians. But go, he goes on to say this in verse 10, and this is what I want to preach on this morning. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which has was, was excuse me and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain but I labored more abundantly than they all yet not I but the grace of God which was with me I want to preach this morning on what God's grace does for you I want to preach this morning on what God's grace can do and is doing for you so back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, I'm going to focus on this verse right here. And we're going to look at this because Paul says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, it's only by God's grace we're in here this morning. Amen. And you say, well, what, what does grace mean? Grace is an unmerited gift, an unmerited favor. It means there's, it's something that's given to you that you didn't earn. There's no way you can earn it. There's no way you're going to try to earn it. It's just given to you as a free gift. Grace is the most beautiful word in the English language. Because we all want grace. We want grace in our lives. We want grace from God. We want grace from our bank. If we're late on a payment, we want the bank to show it, give, us, give us about three or four or five days of grace, right? They say that it's a, it's, we give you three days of grace, which meaning that they'll give you a little bit of time to pay that bill off, whatever. We want grace in all parts of our life, but most importantly, we want grace from our Lord God. And Paul says, it's, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. God's grace makes you what you are. It makes you what you are, it puts you where you are, and it lets you be who you are. And what I mean by that is, is that God's grace makes you what you are, which is saved. Amen. We're saved, and as Christians, that's the first and main thing about being a Christian is being saved. And we were reading this morning before we got going in our Sunday service, we were reading this morning about the lady who's an atheist minister. And she was trying to deny Jesus Christ, and she was denying God. She was denying that Jesus Christ died for our sins. She was denying that she was saved, but she still wanted to be, be, wanted to be called a Christian. Uh-uh! It don't work that way, man. You can't say that you're a, you don't believe in Jesus Christ dying for your sins. You can't say, I don't want to be saved, but then I want to be, I want to be Christian. You're a fool. It don't work that way. It don't work that way at all. That stuff gets me stirred up. And the reason why that stuff gets me stirred up is because they're, they're not understanding the bra basic principle of Christianity. Yes, Christianity is love. Amen. Nobody denies that. Christianity does have passion. Yes, Christianity is all those things that that lady was talking about that she wanted. But Christianity is none of those things without Jesus Christ. The, Christianity is none of these things without the love of God at the cross of Calvary. We're, that's where you find God's love at the cross. That's where you find God's grace. We're saved by the grace of God. It's an unmerited, it, it's just given to you. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord that He gives us this. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, we know, that to be, we know these verses really well. For by grace are you saved through faith. Amen. Yes. You're saved. Grace is what makes you what you are, which is saved. I was reading this story about this great revival that took place. I think it was in the late 1800s, and this great revival was taking place, and the community was getting all stirred up. People were getting saved. The community was getting on fire for God. Well, there was a skeptic 
There was a skeptic that lived in the community. He hated God and he hated the church and he was hating people uh, turning there saying, you're all a bunch of hypocrites. It's all a bunch of fake and the lies. It's all a bunch of dreams. I can't believe y'all believe in this stuff. And he goes, I'm going to show up at y'all's next revival meeting and I'm going to break all this up. And this guy was as mean as a skunk, man. Just mean, mean. And they had the next revival meeting and the preacher got up there and sure enough, they all got up there to start the revival and everybody was out in the and here comes that skeptic and that skeptic come right up there by the pulpit and just stood right there. And everybody was just holding their breath wondering what the preacher was going to do because that skeptic wasn't going to leave. And he was standing there looking all mean and mad and that preacher said, okay, well, let's get the revival, pre let's get the revival started with a prayer. Will you pray for us? Start us in prayer and he bowed his head. And that skeptic was so thrown off by that, he didn't know what to do. And he looked out, so he just bowed his head. And he said, uh, 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 Lord, uh, you know I don't know how to pray. And that preacher said, go ahead, brother. He'll help you. Go ahead. He'll help you. And that skeptic said, Lord, you know I need mercy. You know I'm a sinner. And he started crying. And the whole church started weeping. And the Holy Spirit come blowing in there. And that old wicked sinner got saved right there. That's grace. That's grace. We are what we are because of the grace of God. Say, well, how much of it is true? Well, it puts you where you are, which is in Christ. Grace puts you where you are. It, it makes you what you are and puts you where you are, which is in Jesus Christ. It's by the grace of God we get to get into Jesus Christ. We get to feel His love. We get, to, we get to feel the Holy Spirit. We get to have Him living in us. It's all because of the grace of God we get these things. How amazing is grace? You know, we sing the song Amazing Grace. But I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, look up at verse 9. I'll show you how amazing God's grace is. For I am the least of the apostles, Paul says. They am not meet to be called an apostle, Paul says. Because what? Because I persecuted the church of God. God's grace is so amazing that a man that is vile and, just, and screaming out Jesus Christ and persecuting the church and going and capturing Christians and throwing them in jail and killing Christians and having them murdered for their Christian faith... God's grace is so powerful that He can strike a man down like that and that grace can give him salvation. Amen. A murderer? I know I've been uh, uh, doing Bible studies at people's houses. One time I was at this uh, family's house. I was doing a Bible study and we were studying the Bible and, and, and this one lady, she said, well, Brother Keegan, you know, God can't save a murderer. And I had to look at her and say, yes, yes, ma'am, God most surely can. God's grace can save a murderer. It's right there. <laughs> the guy that wrote 13 books of our New Testament was a murderer. Of the Christians. And God's grace saved him. Amen. Do you know God's grace is so amazing that God's grace can save a rapist? A child molester? Ooh, it's getting quiet in here. I know y'all don't like that, but God's grace is that powerful. Hey, I've been into the prisons, man. I've been in there, and I've met all kinds of guys. And there's some vile, wicked individuals. They're, they're serving, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, not for bringing apples to the teacher. 
They're serving some hard time for doing some very, very wicked things. And we have, those, we, have those, uh, we have those little revival meetings in there, and we get to go in, and those guys come in there, and it don't matter if you're black or Spanish or white or Oriental. I've seen all kinds. Of, I've seen a guy that had tattoos all over him that came up to me, and he said, I, I was a homosexual, and God saved me from my sin. And he, he, just, was, he just was so, he had, he had makeup tattooed. He had gotten tattooed, makeup tattooed on him. And he said, I want to get rid of all these tattoos, but I, I, I'm in here. and I, He just wanted to live for God. And you say, can God? grace move on a man like that it most assuredly can and I've seen it with my own eyes I've talked to men and women that has saved them you know God's grace can save it don't matter if you're a harlot or a hooker or if you're a murderer or whatever vile thing you've done in your life God's grace can come in and save you and you see that all through the Bible where Jesus Christ was sitting there and that woman came in that was obviously she had been a woman of ill repute and she came in and she just started crying all over his feet and her tears and using her tears and taking her head and why was she doing that because God's grace had loved her so much it puts you where you are which is in Christ God's grace lets you be who you are which is a Christian you know it's only by God's grace we get to live the Christian life if it wasn't for God's grace we couldn't live this Christian life that we're expected to live I mean it's hard it's hard to live this life it's hard to be a Christian Listen, man, it's the easiest thing to do the wrong thing. It's easy. It's, it comes natural for me to hate. I know some of y'all have a disposition of, 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 of sweetness and kind. I'm not, man. I'm a hateful individual. I mean, I hate things. I hate people. I hate, I go into Walmart. I just, I hate the baskets at Walmart. I hate the floor at Walmart. I hate the lights at Walmart. I hate the, this at Walmart. I, I mean, I just hate, you have to be, my wife, she, I know she gets tired of it because it's always just hate, 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 hate. I'm just, that's the kind of individual I am. And it's hard for me to do the right thing. I have to stop myself. I say, God, you're going to have to give me some grace and strength to be the kind of person you want me to be. And that grace comes in and he starts working in me. And it's got to. It's got to be grace because I can't do it on my own. It's God's grace that makes you what you are. It's God's grace that puts you where you are. It's God's grace that lets you be who you are. I was reading this prayer of this this poor man, he was over in England. It's a poor man, he's over in England. This is the kind of prayer that he, that he said out. And when he, he said this, they wrote it down because it was so powerful. This is his prayer. He said, Lord, give me grace to fill my need of grace. And give me grace to ask for grace. And give me grace to receive grace. And, oh, Lord, when grace is given, give me grace to use it. Amen. Amen. A lot of grace in there, isn't there? Now, that's a brother. Even though he's as poor and doesn't have any kind of money, he understands grace. We need grace. But, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. So the second thing I want to point out that what God's grace does for you, God's grace is always available and it's bestowed upon you. God's grace is bestowed upon you. So, it's not, what's amazing about grace is, grace is this free gift, but it's a gift that keeps giving and giving and giving. It's what's amazing about grace. Bestowed means, bestowed, the, the definition of bestowed is to give or honor with a gift. To give or honor with a gift. So God has bestowed this grace on you, Christian. 
God gives you grace for salvation, but He also gives you grace to live this Christian life we're trying to live. And He's bestowed it on you. And, and, and what Paul's saying is that when God gave me the grace and graced me and bestowed this on me, it wasn't in vain. He's saying, you know what? God showed up and gave me grace and saved me. That, that's the only way Paul was saved was by grace. He was a murderer. Murdering Jesus Christ's followers. The only way he could get saved is Jesus Christ says, I forgive you of everything. Amen. You mean he just murdered some guy's wife for saying she was a Christian just two weeks ago? Jesus Christ says, I forgive you of everything. And Paul says, that grace that was bestowed upon me, it wasn't in vain. Paul didn't say, okay, well, thanks for salvation. And then he didn't just walk back. Paul said, i got to do something for Jesus. And boy, did he ever. The whole book of Acts just starts twisting. And the whole book of Acts starts focusing on Paul. And before long, the whole book of Acts is just right there spotlighted on Paul. As Barnabas and Silas, they kind of start fading away. And there's Paul. And it's Paul. It's Paul. It's Paul. Why is it all Paul? Because he's doing so much for Jesus Christ. You've got to write about it. And he's writing things to, to letters. He's studying out. He's getting the doctrine right. He's dividing the word. Paul is, this, he's saying this grace that was given to me, it wasn't in vain. I did something with it. I wanted to do something with it. And Christian, if you look back at your salvation, some of us have been saved for many, many years. You should look back and say, what have I done with that? You know, in Ephesians chapter 2, I just, I just kind of quoted a little bit of it. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We know those words. We know those verses. We love those verses. It means that salvation is given to us by grace. In other words, we don't work for it. And praise the Lord for that, because you can't work for it, right? Amen. Amen. But, but, he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He saved you to do something good. He saved you so you could do something good for him. When Jesus Christ saved Paul, he had this whole plan for Paul's life. He said, I know you've been wicked up to here. I know you've been a murderer up to here. I know you've been persecuting me up to here. But man, if you'll let me save you, I can do something with you from here on out. And what will happen is, what will happen is, is Paul doesn't get any of the glory. I'm the least of all of the apostles. Paul doesn't take any of the glory. What does Paul do? Paul points right back to Jesus Christ. So when God, through salvation, is giving you this grace, brothers and sisters, you should take that grace and you should run with it and do something with it. We should, because he's worthy. You know, grace is a beautiful word, but you know it's hard to live that Christian life. And I was reading about old Whitfield, and Whitfield was saying that he could, it was impossible for him to live with this Christian peaceably. He can't get along. He, he said, they're a Christian. And of course, Whitfield said, I'm a Christian, but I can't live with them. I can't. Does this sound familiar, guys? Is there some Christians that you know of that you just said, I'd just rather them be over there in Japan right now than be next door to me? Oh, I know they're saved. I know they're going to be in heaven. I wish they weren't. But they're going to be, and I can't live with them. Right? I mean, Whitfield admitted that. You know what Whitfield said about that? Whitfield said, Grace can live where I cannot. He said, Grace can live where I cannot. See, we can't live with somebody. We say they're a Christian. We can't live with them. But you know what? God's grace can live with anyone. 
Man, uh, you want to know a testimony about Brother Eubanks? Ask Sister Linda Hoggett. <laughs> Nobody can live with Brother Eubanks. How do you know that? I don't think his own wife lives with him half the time. Praise the Lord for her. I love her. She's a sweet, sweet lady. But the man is demanding. He's, 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 he's pretty contrary. But you know what I know? Always lives with Brother Eubanks. Nobody worries that God's grace. Amen. It's always there with him. And he's always doing something for God. God's grace is always available, but we just don't use it. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to show you a verse. should be very, very important to you when it comes to grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. I'm going to show you a real important verse when it comes to God's grace. God's grace is always available, but we just don't use it enough. We'll find this at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. This is a very important verse when it comes to God's grace. It says here, Paul is writing again, and Paul is writing, and he says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. You know what that word all means? It means A-L-L. -L. It means all. You don't need to go back to the Greek. You need to understand, you need to understand that word all means all. Without exception. He can give you all the grace you could ever want. It's right there. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. God can give you the grace to do what He wants you to do for Him. You need grace. You need grace to do God's work. I'm going to tell you something, man. Uh, I, I've read my Bible through and through. And I, I know I need to read my Bible a lot more through and through. But when I read my Bible, there's a, there's a theme that runs through my Bible. And I, it seems to pop out every time I'm reading through my Bible. I don't know Joker knows this to be true because Joker reads a lot through Proverbs. God loves the poor. He goes so far in Proverbs, he said, when you lend to the poor, God says, you're lending to me. God loves the poor. God has a heart for the poor. God wants things done for the poor. God says in places, He says, why are you fasting and not taking care of the poor? You're afflicting your flesh, but you're not taking care of the poor. He, he, he chides them all the time for mistreating the poor. And Jesus Christ was known to be a friend of sinners. Poor people. And He hung around a bunch of poor people. And He had a bunch of poor people around Him. And, and, and Peter and all them, they were poor people. He loves the poor. Have you ever tried to help the poor? Anybody in here tried to help the poor? You know what that's like? It's very, very frustrating. Because you know what you find out when you start helping the poor? They deserve it. You, you, you get around poor people and you say, the reason you don't have no money is because you wasted it all on liquor. The reason why you're broke is because you're smoking it all away. And you start realizing these people are poor in America, I'm talking about American poor. I can't speak for any other poor class. But the poor class in America are mostly poor because that's where they want to be. They're, they're, that's where they're at. And you find out they were, they're poor in their mind way before they were poor, poor in their pocketbook. And it's very, very hard to have a heart for the poor. In America it is. Because you go to help the poor person and you see all the problems. But God... You know what I don't like is he doesn't put a stipulation on this stuff. <laughs> he, 
He doesn't say, help them if they deserve it. Love them if they deserve it. Does he, ever, he doesn't ever say that, does he? See, if I had my own Bible like the Jehovah's Witness, that's the kind of stuff I'd add in there if I was that stupid. If they deserve it. You know? that, would, that would take care of a lot of things, right? But God never does put that stipulation in it. And thank God he didn't do that to you when he saved you. See, we want it on them. We say it about them, but when it comes to us, oh God, oh, you know, I, I, know I, I know I messed up and everything, but please give me some grace. Right? I know I sinned. I know I've been telling you I wouldn't do that anymore, but I slipped up. Will you please give me some? And we want it. We want it. Amen? And God's grace abounds towards us and forgives us. So you're going to have to have God's grace in you to do the work He wants you to do. Because you're going to have to say, you know what, God? I don't have a heart for these people, but I know you do. Please give me your grace to do it. And He promises it. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always have an all-sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. He's got plenty of grace to give you to do what you need to do. Amen. You're not asking for it. You're not using it because you don't want to use it. <laughs> He's not giving it to you. You're not asking for it. Because you know what I found out? When I need to do something for the Lord, man, the Lord gives me all the strength, all the grace I need. It's amazing. I seen a guy at Kohler, and if y'all know anything about Kohler out in Brownwood, that's the hardest job that is in six counties. They work them like Egyptian slave laborers out there. 120 degrees, Joker worked out there. It's hard work, man. It's just nonstop work, 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 12-hour shifts. It's in a horrible climate. It's around horrible people with a horrible workplace. I mean, they're notorious about firing you for a drop of a hat. It's a horrible place to work. I knew a preacher. He's a Mexican preacher. He worked out there. He'd work 12-hour shift. He'd get off work. He'd go home, change his clothes, take a quick shower, change his clothes, get in the van with a bunch of other Spanish people, and they'd drive for four or five hours down into the deep heart of Mexico, get out, set up the, set up the equipment, set up the speakers and thing, start singing and start preaching, and he'd do that, and he wouldn't be done for like a 24-hour period, and he'd load back up and go back home, and then he'd get back up and go to work there at Kohler. And it amazed me. It flabbergasted me that he could do that. And I asked him, I said, man, how are you, how are you doing that, man? I, I, I just praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. See, it's the Lord. <laughs> God said, I want you to go down there and preach. And what did God give him? The grace to be able to do it. And the grace to be able to get back. And the grace to still feed his family by working his job. Guys, you can't. If you, want, if you have a heart to do something for the Lord, I don't care what it is, and that's between you and the Lord, just step out and start doing it. God will give you the grace and the ability to do it. I've seen it a hundred times. And the promise is right there. You got all the grace you want. Let me, let me say this. If you knew a man that was a millionaire, had millions of dollars in the bank, but only pulled out a penny a day, wouldn't you call him a fool? Millions of dollars in the bank, but he'd only go up to the bank and pull a penny a day. That's so many Christians that I know. God's got all abundant grace to give you, but you pull out just a little bit. I had so many Christians say, God can never forgive me for what I've done. You don't understand God's grace. 
You don't understand the abounding grace that God has for you. Oh, Brother Keegan, if you knew what I did, there's no way God could forgive me. You don't understand God's grace. He loves you, and His grace can forgive you of anything. Well, Brother Keegan, I'm a Christian, and I haven't been living like I should be. I've been doing some really awful things. God's grace is there, and God's grace will forgive you. Why why aren't people so hard to believe that? Because they want God to judge somebody, but they don't want God to judge them that way. We're so quick to see a a brother or sister we know as a Christian make a mistake. They They might cuss or they might get caught up into alcohol or they might get caught up into an extramarital affair or they might get caught up into some awful thing and you see them get caught up and what happens is Christians will say, well, I don't know if they really were ever saved. Yeah, they were saved. They need God's grace right there. Just like you need God's grace. We all need God's grace or we can't make it through this Christian life. And God's telling us through the scripture right here that he's given it to us in all things, all of sufficiency and all things abounding in every way toward you. He wants to give it to you. Yes, you're going to mess up. Yes, you're going to fall down. But get back up. God's grace is there. And he has a work for you to do. So many people try to make, try to take good works and do good works without God's grace. I see it all the time. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to close out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What I love is, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, I love when Paul was talking about approaching God's throne in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4. He, says it's a, he said, we may go boldly to the throne of grace. Man, I love that. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When you read that scripture, and he says, we may come boldly to the throne of grace. You know how many other words that throne could be called? It could be called the throne of condemnation. It could be called the throne of judgment. But it's not. It should be. But God says it's the throne of grace. For a believer in Jesus Christ, you're always approaching the throne, and it's always a throne of grace because it's ever abounding toward you. Christian, if you're in here and you're distraught, if you're depressed, if you've, uh, you're just down and out, things you feel like God might be mad at you, God's not mad at you. God's got grace to give you. And He wants to give it to you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to pick you up, clean you off, and get you going again. That's what God wants you to do. God doesn't want you to fail. And when you, you stumble and you fall, and I've stumbled and fall, brothers and sisters. I've done things I shouldn't do. I've done lots of things I shouldn't do. God's had to give me a lot of grace. And I'm like Paul. I'm just like Paul. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's only by the grace of God that I stand here behind this pulpit. And if it wasn't for, for God's grace, I'd be in jail somewhere. I'd be down. I'd be dead. I'd be in a grave. I promise you this. Some of you don't believe it, but this is the truth, the truth I can give you. Without God's grace, Brother Keegan would be dead in a grave somewhere, if I'm not in jail. I thank God for that, His grace. And His grace, which was told upon me, was not in vain. And lastly, Paul says, but I labored more abundantly than they all. 
Yet not I. He says, yet not I. I didn't, I'm not the one that labored, but the grace of God which was with me. So Paul praises God's grace. Paul says, God's grace was bestowed on me. And he says, it's all, everything you see me do is not me. It's God's grace working in me. So it's going back to what I was saying. We give all the honor and glory to God. God's grace is with you to help you do good works. He's there to help you do good works. So many people try to do good works without God's grace, and it just doesn't work out, guys. Maybe you're trying to hand out tracts. Maybe you're trying to do something for the Lord, whatever it is, and you're not using God's grace. You've got to have God's grace. It takes God's grace to see somebody as a soul. Not as the person you're seeing them out as a soul saying, this is, this is not a, I'm talking to a soul that's either bound to heaven or hell. That's the greatest truth I can give you this morning. Every soul that you see inside that flesh is bound to either heaven or hell. And when you're handing out a gospel track or you're witnessing to them or you're inviting them to church or whatever you might be doing, what you're trying to do is you're trying to help that soul. And you're trying to say, hey, God's got grace for you. And God's grace is only found in Jesus Christ. And it, it, it don't matter what, you could be a murderer and God's grace can forgive you of whatever you've done. Amen. Man, the beauty, that's why we sing about amazing grace. <laughs> that's why, you know, I, I pick on the church of Christ. Because they believe that God's grace, you can get God's grace, and then you can fall from grace. They believe that. And they believe that you can fall out of salvation and fall from God's grace. And I pick on the church of Christ because I like to tell them, then how can you ever stand up and sing about amazing grace? That's not amazing grace. That's worldly grace. That's what the world does to you. The world picks you up, they tell you you're great, and as soon as you make a mistake, oh, you're out of here. <laughs> That's what the world did to me. But God picks you up, cleanses you, and even though you make mistakes, He says, I still love you. I still got grace to forgive you. I'm ever abounding towards you to give you grace. And you know what that does to you? It does to you what it'll do to Paul. What that'll do to you is I'll make you look up and say, you know what? I look back at my Christian life, and anything good I've done in my Christian life, it's not me doing it. Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ, Father. Thank you for the grace we have in Jesus Christ, Father. And Lord, I just thank you for these people, Father God, that are out there trying to listen to your word, Lord. And I, Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will move on them. And Father, if there's a brother or sister underneath the sound of my voice that just doesn't know your grace like they should, Father, I, Father, I just pray that through your Holy Spirit, Lord God, fill them. Fill them with your love, Lord. Fill them with your grace, Father. Show them what it is to really know true grace. Not grace like the world gives it, Lord, where they give it one day and take it away the next, Lord. Show them your grace, your unconditional love, Lord, your ever-abounding grace that Paul was telling us about in these scriptures, Father. Father, we want to know it, and we want to know you better, Lord. And we know we can only know you better through your grace. And Lord, I've only known you as a graceful God. I've known you as a Father that just is so loving and so forgiving and so unconditional about your grace. And I thank you for that. And I thank you that you are a good Father that way, Lord. If there's somebody needs the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Fathers, we'll give the invitation, Father. I'd pray they'd find your grace and they'd come on down here and get saved. Knowing that they don't need to do anything to get saved, they don't need to stop doing anything, Lord, they just need to come down and receive you as their Lord and Savior. Knowing that you 
died for their sins and that you are buried and you came forth on the third day. Lord, thank you for the simplicity of your scripture, Lord God. It's not very confusing, Lord. It's just very simple. And thank you, Father, for giving it to us because we're so simple-minded. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hey, brother, let's have an invitation, Brother Matt. Well, I tell you what, God's grace is so wonderful. I can't preach about it enough. I can't, I can't describe it enough. You just got to taste it for yourself. And I pray that you know God's grace. I've never made a fortune And it's probably too late now Oh, but I don't worry about that much I'm happy anyhow As I go along life's journey I'm reaping better than I sow I'm drinking from my saucer, Lord Cause my cup is overflow I ain't got a lot of riches Sometimes the going's rough But I've got a friend in Jesus And that makes me rich enough I thank God for all His blessings on me And the mercy He's bestowed I'm drinking from my saucer, Lord Cause my cup is overflowed So Lord, help me not to grumble and complain About the tough roads that I've hoed I'm drinking from my saucer, Lord Cause my cup is overflowed And if I should go on living If the way gets steep and rough I won't ask for other blessings I'm already blessed enough May I never be too busy Help another bear his load I'm drinking from my 
cup is overflowed. Yes, I'm drinking from my saucer, Lord. Cause my cup is Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. 
If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.